Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Welcome to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide, a child sponsorship ministry transforming children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's join Bill now as he opens us up with prayer. God Almighty, you are a loving Father we can completely depend upon. We are comforted by your love, which you had for us from the beginning of time. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse our hearts, dear Lord. We invite the power of your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds today as we hear from your word. This half hour belongs to you, Lord of heaven and earth. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives. I'm Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide. Our ministry focuses on delivering the gospel of Jesus to children throughout the world. We do this by creating a one-on-one relationship between Christians in America and kids in places like Kenya, Uganda, India, Sri Lanka, Peru, and Haiti. Today on the program, we'll reflect on the Word of God, talk about transformation, and bring you up to date on some of the things we're involved with at Childcare Worldwide. I pray this time we have together today will be a blessing to you. Today I'm discussing something very difficult, something that has touched all of our lives in one way or another, and that is suffering. How have you suffered personally? Has someone in your family suffered? Maybe your husband or wife or perhaps one of your children or grandchildren? Whether it's a beloved family member or a dear friend that has suffered, All of us know it's painful to witness that suffering, and it's painful to be part of that suffering. We never seem to know what to say, do we? We try, but it doesn't seem to come out the way we'd like. What can we say amid someone else's suffering? Our words just don't seem sufficient. They often seem empty and trite. But does that stop us from trying to console someone who is suffering? Of course not. We still offer our help, sympathy, and even condolences because it's the right thing to do. We may never know the impact that visit, a phone call, email, or letter may have on someone. As believers, we know our greatest peace and comfort is God. We know that the comfort He gives is the utmost merciful comfort we can ever receive. Isaiah 49 verse 13 says, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. And break out in singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people, and will have mercy on his afflicted. This verse is directing the heavens and earth and the mountains to be joyful and sing because the Lord has comforted us. Not only has he comforted us, but he has mercy on the afflicted. The world could never give us this compassionate comfort. Only the God who made the heavens, earth, and all things in it, including ourselves, can provide this level of comfort. And this is the only comfort we need. We need to surround ourselves within it. This comfort only comes from God, and this comfort will truly be a balm for the soul. But the world is always trying to comfort us in many ways that are too countless to number. Worldly comfort is dangerous and only leads us to more discomfort. Worldly comfort is precisely the comfort we do not want to receive or offer to anyone else, 
because it doesn't last. Oh, it will certainly bring us relief, but that's a short-term relief. And then poof, it's gone, leaving us even more empty than before. Even though we believe in a merciful God, and we know that we will spend eternity with Him in heaven, we still wonder why there has to be suffering, don't we? After all, suffering hurts. It hurts very deeply. Although we are not God, and we will never be like Him, we can go to His Word and seek out His character, and be reminded of the profound love He has for us. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. How does this verse bring us comfort? How can we read this and be comforted when we see so much evil and malicious behavior in this world? Well, do you remember the story of Joseph? Remember in Genesis 37, we read about how his brothers were jealous of him? They did terrible things to Joseph, like when they threw him into a cistern. In other words, like a huge toilet. As bad as that seems, Joseph's brothers didn't want to kill him. Instead, they thought the better idea would be to sell him as a slave to Midianite traders. To cover their tracks, the brothers dipped Joseph's robe in goat's blood and took it back to their father and told him his son was dead. Looking ahead, we can see the progression of events in chapter 39 when Joseph was brought to the house of Potiphar and was put in charge of everything. It all came crashing down, though, when Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of making advances toward her. Joseph was completely innocent, but he was still put in prison. Was God punishing Joseph or building something amazing? Throughout the next ten chapters of Genesis, we read how Joseph was put into service for the Pharaoh of Egypt, and he worked at gathering and storehousing the abundance of food because a famine was coming. And when the famine hit, he was in charge of rationing the food to people for miles and miles around. With a famine in the surrounding country, we read that Joseph's brothers came to Joseph because they needed grain. Interesting thing is, they didn't recognize him. They didn't know they were speaking to their brother Joseph, the one they threw into a nasty cistern and sold as a slave. But Joseph recognized all of them. Without a lot of drama, he gave them grain and told them not to come back unless their younger brother Benjamin was with them. They left, but instead of going back immediately to fetch Benjamin, they waited. They delayed their return trip. Well, eventually their food ran out, and they had no choice but to return to Egypt and present themselves once again to Joseph. But they still didn't recognize him as their brother. In chapter 45, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. It reads, then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and no reaping. 
But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt, and about everything you have seen, and bring my father here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Even though Joseph had suffered at the hands of his brothers, Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, he knew God was in ultimate control of his life. Joseph suffered at the hands of many. He was downright miserable at times and didn't understand why these things were happening. But he continued to discharge his duties and do exactly what God put in front of him. Joseph suffered, but God used those circumstances for the good of many, many people. When Joseph was thrown into the cistern, did he know anything about the coming years of abundance and years of famine? Did he know he was going to be the right-hand man of the Pharaoh of Egypt? Did he know he would meet his brothers? Did he even think his earthly father and brothers would be living in a land he was in control of? Of course he didn't. But he did trust God, and he continued to faithfully serve Him. Believers and non-believers alike do not understand when they ask the question, why is there suffering in this world? The difference is the way we approach the answer. Non-believers head straight for the world's comfort only to be let down time after time, because the world's comfort is a false comfort. And as believers, we recognize the comfort that the world has to offer isn't comfort at all. It's empty. But our real comfort lies within the promises found in the Holy Word of God. We don't understand why there has to be suffering. We cannot even begin to know the mind of God. We cannot fathom what God is doing in our lives or in the lives of anyone else. For this reason, we need to continue to persevere in serving Him. Even though we do not know His plan, we can be faithful servants, trusting that He has absolutely everything under control. And He does have everything under control because He is the one true sovereign God. Remember, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we hurt when we see someone suffering, and we hurt when we suffer. We do not know your plan for our lives, and we don't know your plan for someone else's life. Father, help us to be a faithful servant to you, knowing that you have everything under your complete and total control. God, we may not understand and know your ways, but we do know that you are a loving, sovereign God. Help us rest in that fact. Thank you for loving us and never giving up on us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.
Childcare Worldwide delivers the gospel of Jesus Christ to thousands of kids in underdeveloped countries, providing for their physical needs and sponsoring their education. Long-term transformation is what makes Childcare Worldwide unique. Sponsored children are a member of a life center located at a local church and meet weekly for gospel-driven Bible lessons, scripture memorization, singing, and fellowship. The curriculum teaches children about God and His eternal plan for them. Visit childcareworldwide.org. Let's discuss a specific example of sadness, suffering, but also one of help. Lorna had come from a traditional religious background, but she knew so little about hope and freedom. Lorna grew up in a wonderful family with a mom and a dad and brothers and sisters. Dad went to work while mom stayed home and took care of the kids. They went to church, Sunday school, and youth group as they got older. Lorna heard all of the stories about God. She heard all about Jesus dying on the cross. Lorna knew about God, Jesus, and the Bible, but sadly, this knowledge was only in her head. It wasn't in her heart. You see, she had never authentically given her life to Jesus. Even after all the Sunday school classes, the youth group activities, and church sermons that she'd listened to, she still didn't really know how to surrender her life and claim Jesus Christ as her one and only Savior. Think about that for a minute. So many people who attend church regularly and involve themselves in various Christian activities still might not be saved. They may not even know what it means to be saved. As Lorna grew into her teenage years, she slowly started to stray from her family's traditional biblical values. She started hanging out with kids who were partying, drinking, smoking, and getting into trouble. Lorna loved going out on weekends, hanging out with her friends, and getting drunk. But pretty soon, her drinking stopped being limited to the weekend. Ultimately, getting drunk during any day of the week was common for Lorna, and this pattern continued into her adulthood. Years went by, and Lorna continued the drinking, and along with that, she suffered abuse at the hands of many different men. She couldn't break free from this pattern of alcoholism and abuse. Decades later, as a bedridden elderly woman, Lorna suffered the effects of her life of abuse. The cold walls of hospitals and nursing homes were all too familiar to her as she lived day after day in a routine of doctor visits and prescriptions. Each passing day accentuated her loneliness and isolation. She felt like she was a prisoner in her own wheelchair. Before Lorna started living in a facility, she met Belinda, who was hired to be an in-home caregiver for her. Belinda's heart broke over Lorna as she did what she could for the older woman, but they lost touch when Belinda moved on to work at a different care facility. She continued to pray that salvation would come to Lorna and her family, and hoped that one day they would reconnect. A year later, Belinda was at a hospital visiting a friend, and she was surprised to see Lorna in a wheelchair at the nurse's station. Thankful for a renewed opportunity to reach into the older woman's life, Belinda made a point to spend time with her whenever she visited that hospital. Lorna looked forward to the visits, and Belinda's sincere interest in Lorna paved the way for opportunities to share the gospel. Belinda read many passages in the Bible with Lorna, but one that stuck out was Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Each time Belinda visited, Lorna asked questions about what she was reading, 
and Belinda would share her answers. Belinda explained how comforting these verses could be to Lorna. You see, Lorna had suffered most of her teenage and adult life. She was a slave to alcohol and men and the abuse they committed on her. Even though Lorna thought she was worthless, God had a plan for her life, and it was a perfect plan. It was a plan for Lorna to spend eternity with him in heaven. Before long, Lorna moved to a nearby nursing home and Belinda continued to visit her there. Lorna couldn't seem to understand why God had allowed her to suffer most of her adult years. She had felt so alone and lost, and even though she knew who God was, she had never felt so far from him. Belinda reminded her of the story of Joseph who suffered at the hands of his brothers and then at the hands of Potiphar. Belinda said, Lorna, God never stopped loving you. He has always loved you. He loved you when you were going to church, and he loved you when you were drinking and even suffering from abuse. But God had a plan. You see, we don't always know what God's ultimate plan is for us. We are not God and his ways are not our ways. Lorna listened carefully. She replied, So are you saying that no matter what I was doing, God always loved me and he has always had a plan for my life? Yes, Lorna, Belinda answered. That's right. During one of their conversations, Belinda was going over the gospel again when Lorna interrupted her. Belinda, I did that. Uncomprehending, Belinda asked, Did what? I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I'm trusting in Jesus for my salvation. Lorna had finally understood the gospel. After so many years, she realized her need for a Savior. She humbly stood before him and surrendered her life. She went on to say, Belinda, of all the belief systems I've studied through the years, Christianity is the only one that makes sense. Belinda was overjoyed. Here was the answer to prayer. Prayer that she had been lifting up to the Lord for years. Salvation had finally come to Lorna, and Belinda thanked God for the privilege of being involved, simply by reaching out in compassion and faithfully sharing the news of the gospel. Lorna finally believed that Jesus died on the cross and took the punishment for her sins, and he was actually resurrected and now sits as king in heaven with God, a place she will live someday in eternity. Belinda and Lorna's friendship continued to blossom. Lorna asked Belinda if she would help share the gospel with her family as well. Belinda continued to visit Lorna weekly, and their time together was spent around the Bible and Lorna's newfound hope and trust in Jesus. At one point, Lorna said she was scared to die. Belinda responded by quoting scripture, reminding Lorna of the promises of God's word. And then she sang a hymn and prayed with her. The power of God's truth brought peace again, and Lorna said she was ready to meet Jesus whenever that happens. Lorna's health continues to be extremely fragile, and it is likely she does not have long to live. But Belinda rejoices that Lorna is trusting in the Savior of sinners, and that fear and despair no longer have a hold on her. Belinda is the only believer that Lorna knows, and because Belinda has been a faithful servant of Christ, she has been able to make a huge difference in Lorna's life. Isn't that an amazing story? I firmly believe that God has a plan for everyone's life. Even if you have suffered as a child, a teenager, or an adult, God has a beautiful plan for your life. Because remember what our verse says, Romans 8.28. 
And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. That is something that should bring all of us comfort. It's a joy for me each week to talk about our Child Care Worldwide sponsored children. Today I'd like to introduce you to Mercy. Mercy lives in a remote village in Kenya, and she's the youngest of seven siblings. As the baby of the family, she is doted on by everyone. Many times there isn't enough food to go around in her household. And when money is tight and food is scarce, her parents, brothers, and sisters all pitch in to make sure Mercy has at least enough food to get by. At 12 years old, Mercy works hard, trying every single day to contribute to the family resources as much as her older siblings do. When she's not in school, she spends most of her time looking after the goats and fetching water for the family. But despite everyone's hard work, sometimes there simply isn't enough food to go around. Jobs are harder to come by right now, and with prices rising and little income, they don't have really as much money as they used to, and that money doesn't go as far as it used to. They started trying to make each meal stretch further, eating less and less each day. At one point, it got so bad that they were eating just one meal per day. And beyond the obvious physical toll of that malnutrition, the lack of food was devastating for Mercy emotionally as well. When she was hungry herself, Mercy felt so hopeless and downhearted. She knew her brothers and sisters were skipping meals just so she could have food to eat, and that made Mercy feel so guilty. When Mercy learned that she was getting a food package through childcare worldwide, she was overjoyed. Her brothers and sisters wouldn't have to skip meals anymore. As a sponsored child, Mercy attends our Life Center at her local church. It's there that she and other sponsored children learn about God's Word, memorize Scripture, play games, get a meal, which is sometimes the only meal they eat that day. When we arrived at the Life Center with vans and trucks full of food like cornmeal, rice, and beans, Mercy could hardly believe it. All of the delicious food would be enough to feed her entire family for weeks. She couldn't wait to take all that food home and cook a meal for her folks. Finally, instead of being consumed with worry, she was feeling hopeful about her future again. Before Mercy left for home, she started arranging the items in bags to make it easier to carry. Our staff prayed with her and reminded her that this gift of food is in fact a blessing from God. It might not seem like much, but each meal brought a ray of hope into Mercy's life and reminded her of the eternal hope found in Jesus. God has a plan even for Mercy's life, and many children like her living in Kenya and throughout the world. Though Mercy may have suffered and felt hungry, God has provided a wonderful plan for her life. It's easy to help kids like Mercy. It only costs $1 per meal to bring the gift of food to sponsored children and their families. The minute gifts come into our child care headquarters, we immediately mobilize the resources to the locations where the food is needed. Our staff purchased the food and transported themselves to the villages where our life centers are located. At the life center, our teacher and the church pastor are there to minister to the children as they arrive to pick up their food packages. The sounds of laughter and audible prayer can be heard throughout the church property and the love of the Holy Spirit touches everyone in attendance. It's really an amazing sight and I want to bring this opportunity to as many sponsored children as possible. Could you help me do this? Go to childcareworldwide.org food to give a gift for the next meal kids like Mercy will need. We'll feed them physically, of course, but also spiritually. The food is greatly needed, but the everlasting gift of Jesus is eternal. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so humbled to be part of this ministry that you have placed me in. Lord, you have called me to be a servant in this ministry, and I couldn't be more thankful for this unique opportunity. I see the struggles of the kids. I see the suffering of these precious children, and it breaks my heart. But Lord, I absolutely know that you have a perfect plan for each and every one of them. Lord, thank you for working everything in their lives for your good. We trust in your perfect plan. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives today. I sincerely appreciate it. I'm Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide, a child sponsorship ministry in Bellingham, Washington. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide. To learn more, go to childcareworldwide.org. Join us again next week here on 820 AM, The Word.